Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Join us as we explore Tolkien and all the ages of Middle-earth with your hosts from TheOneRing.com, Jonathan Watson, Michael Grumbine, and Dan Coates. Hey! John from The Token Road showed up. John, it's good to have you. Sorry. You, you joined in just as we were throwing the loop up that uh, had the audio. So yeah, nice yeah, yeah. I, I just slid <laughs> in it in back. the nick of time. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and John, well, and first of all, let me say, it's good to see you again. You missed our last couple, but you know, this is a, this is a fly by the night kind of uh, fly by night, fly by night, fly by night, fly by wire. I don't fly know. I'm very night. bad with metaphors and analogies. Fly by the seat of your rush, pants. Little rush reference. That's that's appropriate for uh, <laughs> that's Tolkien, right. Tolkien podcast. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but um, we're hoping that we get a couple more. I know John is John Trent from Bounding Into Comics always has uh, his uh, member stream. I believe on Friday, so he may join if we can. I'm trying to get Michael in. Um, uh, so anyway, but first of all, I want to introduce uh, Garrett here over to my left, right, left, one of those. Yeah. Garrett, Garrett, left no. Yeah, I don't think anybody here knows Garrett, and that's okay, because he can introduce some of the Lord. No, uh, Garrett, Garrett, I went to college with Garrett uh, in California, and uh, we 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 became friends over uh, probably I mean over a love of Tolkien. It was back in the day when the movies were coming out and uh, and all that sort of stuff. I think um, I think it was over our love of uh, romantic uh, poetry, and then we moved on to Tolkien from there. Maybe and Shakespeare. We I think we had a Shakespeare, <laughs> had Shakespeare together too, didn't yeah, we? we did yeah, we actually yeah. liked the literature. We didn't try to uh, make it into a morality message for modern times. No. Uh, oh, and one more, John Trent. Welcome. Good to see Hello. you. Hello. Yeah, I just said you're you're probably going to make it. Maybe if you can, but you know you've got your membership stream. So, but first, uh, okay. So first, everybody, not just the people listening. This is Garrett. Garrett, I went to college with. We uh, we have a lot of things in common. Garrett Garrett is a very deep person. Uh, you actually we we had dinner. <laughs> Deep in this, a good deep, not like you fall down and like it's hard to get back up or anything like that. But we, we, uh, you came over to my place in October, I think it was, when you were driving was, across the U.S. Yeah, was, I think it was November actually. Was yeah, it? when we yeah. were in Nashville. So uh, yeah. Garrett knows his Tolkien. Garrett knows his romantic poets. Garrett knows a lot of stuff. So I thought it'd be a, a great addition to this uh, this live stream. And, and and I know you're also going to be um, doing your own podcast in the future. So uh, yeah. something to talk about. And. Uh, Road is here again, another person <laughs> smarter than me who talks Tolkien, which is awesome. And uh, John, good to see you. Too many Johns, man. I'm glad you're not named John Garrett. That would be uh, that would be That'd super be really confusing to me. Yeah. Super unfortunate. Garrett's kind of well, hard to remember. Is it okay if we call you John? <laughs> <laughs> just, just you know, Monty Python. Don't call me Sue. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Oh man, <laughs> oh, that'd be perfect. Um, all right, so this is kind of, kind of, oh, and one more. We have the full compliment almost. Michael, gentlemen, from our podcast. Good to see you, Michael, John, John, Michael, Garrett, Michael, Garrett, John, Michael. Just John, so you know, you have no. Okay, I have to do the whole Garrett introduction here because this is brand new. Garrett, Michael, Michael, I do the podcast with every week, part of Exploring Tolkien and the Wondering dot com, uh, and uh, Michael. Uh, I went to school with Garrett and Garrett is a, I think oh, nice. you and Garrett would get along. You can have okay. deep uh, theological conversations uh, like, like uh, you know, Catholicism versus Protestantism, whatever you want to go. Uh, but at least, I mean, at least now I'm not the only Protestant on this panel. 
Thank you, Garrett. I appreciate you being here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> how, do you, how does it feel, Garrett, to be the token Protestant? You're the, <laughs> the token you're Protestant. The, you know, the, you're the Tolkien Protestant and the token. <laughs> but 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 you're but you're also you're, you're like a diversity hire, but uh, that's but, right. But with religion, <laughs> not that's be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you, sir. Good to meet you. All right. So this is this work. is kind of this is kind of our 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 gaming week because we've got the Gollum game coming out. We've got the Tolkien MMO, well, that's all I've seen, RPG, probably, that's coming out. Uh, but, I, but I wanted to kick off uh, with this article here, which is uh, Andy Serkis is down for the new Lord of the Rings article, uh, or Lord of the Rings films, which, okay, let me read part of it here. So he says that, uh, you know, this is the new Lord of the Rings movies that Warner Brothers would be doing, new live action ones that they're planning, not the anime War of the Rohirrim, right? Is that, wait, War of the... Is, am I getting that right? Is it the War of the Rohirrim, right? Correct. That's what yes, it? sir. Yeah, yeah, War of the Rohirrim. Um, but when... when um, I think this article is inaccurate, too, by the way. Is it? Again, okay, I well... Think, yeah, I think they're hey. misinterpreting what uh, Pam Abdi and Michael DeLuca said about the films, because they're saying that they would be set during the Third Age, and I'm not sure if that's true. They haven't huh. actually confirmed that. Okay. Okay, maybe they're probably assuming that because it's, again, only the appendices and nothing that's like, you know, I mean, the appendices could be the rings of power. But yeah. I don't think we no, want still, the second age. I still disagree with you on that, too, because I think we don't know what the deal is. We know that they signed a new deal with hmm. Embracer Group that now owns um, Middle Earth Enterprises, and that's all under Funcom. And we don't, I don't think they haven't released any details, as far as I know, on what that what it enti- entitles. Right. From a marketing mm. perspective, I'd be surprised if they went in the same realm as Rings of Power from Amazon. Or they're telling us they didn't have any rights. <laughs> oh. Besides the appendices. Uh, well, so, so then this makes this even more interesting. So, so this was probably just somebody, you know, uh, <clears throat> question baiting Andy yeah. Serkis mm. to say, yeah. oh, yeah, I adore those guys. I, I would imagine he means um, it's Peter Jackson. Uh, Philip Philippa Boyens and uh, Fran Walsh. Yeah. About that. And he's like, I've spent so many years making films with them. I love their sensibility and their take. It's filmmaking on a different kind of level. You live and breathe it. And so, yes, I mean, they, they italicize this. And so, yes, if some opportunity were to come up, it would be an amazing thing. So, I mean, this is his job. So he's just saying he's open to work, <laughs> is what I hear. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's why it's literally why I did not cover this. Because <laughs> I did look at this. I know, I'm sorry, I had to go to the Hollywood this. Reporter for there this. There wasn't anything, there wasn't anything like there's there's no really there there. If any one of you want to invite me over for a steak dinner, I am open to it. I do <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Breaking news. Garrett I mean, is, supports all things steak. Garrett is on the is, carnivore diet. This Correct. is like how he I mean Andy Circus. I don't know if we can call him a household name, but he's, I mean, he's a pretty, he's, he's made quite a career. He's he launched into quite a career off of just the, those original Jackson films. Right. I yeah. mean, those kind of made, made his start into yeah. everything he's been in. And he's like, gosh, he's done. I mean, he's done so much acting Snow beyond just voice acting. Um, yeah. I mean, so it's like, doy, like, why wouldn't he want to like hang with, hang <laughs> with them for with a while that. again? Yeah. I mean, and to be fair, uh everybody who was involved in the films at least the first three i don't know the hobbit too mostly but th- they loved being there they loved the camaraderie like whatever jackson does as a boss like i okay i, I might be 
like I think of it as like a good football coach, right? They bring the team together and regardless of winning or losing, like they, they hang together and they still appreciate each other and they still love each other in some ways. Like that was the, from what I got from covering it, covering it over 20 years ago, that was, um, uh, that was the underlying foundation that they had is that they really enjoyed doing it. So no, everybody wanted to be there and they were like, well, we're doing reshoots. Yes, we get to go back and we get to reshoots now, right? That sort of stuff. Like it was, they were really excited. So I'm sure he has that same feeling. They want to recapture the mountaintop experience. Yeah. Maybe get paid to hang out with your, you know, with your homies. It's yeah, not, it's good times because this doesn't might capture. Be, it might be hard to without Christopher Lee, though, right? Oh, or that. From what I understand, he was he was the one of the big Tolkien experts there that was pushing Jackson to, yeah, to not make he some had, of the changes he wanted to make. It is said he had a copy of the Lord of the Rings in his back pocket all the time, and he was correcting them. And it's like, well, Tolkien didn't say this. And so he did, he did make some changes. I know there are some, I can't remember what they are. Well, but maybe if Circus is involved, he will have now read The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, and The Silmarillion. We can attest to the fact <laughs> that for sure he should know his stuff at this point. Because, you know, when you read an audiobook, you got to read it a few times. So. Have, have any of you listened to his version of The Silmarillion? Um, oh. It hasn't come out yet. Yeah, I don't oh, even think okay. they've... Li- I looked for a clip. Have they released a clip anywhere? I haven't seen it. Uh, but I mean, they have, the, I have the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. I've, I've listened to large sections of it. I didn't listen to the whole thing with circus, but I, he does a good job. I, I don't really enjoy the other, the original Lord of the Rings audiobook. So I think his voice fits well. And of course he does hop, uh, Gollum ex- extremely well in the books. <laughs> I mean, he does change his voice then for all the different characters. Uh, yeah. I mean, to the fact, to, to the extent that he can, you know, sound a little more feminine, sound a little more masculine, but yeah, it, I mean, it's still Andy circus through and through. Okay. Um, he does a fantastic job. Like the, um, I was just listening to the, what's the chapter uh, when, when it's uh, basically Faramir and Eowyn, uh, like their little courtship. The houses of Healing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, he does a great job. Like you know, with with Eowyn's voice as well as, um, you know, as, as well as Faramir. So I mean, it, it's mm. it's outstanding. I mean, what an incredible voice actor he is. Yep. Yeah. He is. He is an actual actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, some of the original uh, audiobook is just a little hard to listen to. It's really dated sounding, and it's uh, kind of your grandfather reading it to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But of the yeah. Silmarillion, that's like one. Of, that's the first way I read the Silmarillion. <laughs> yeah, that was to me. That's to kind it. of classic. I, I don't know how you can. And if you've listened to the dramatization of it, but. yeah. And if you listen to the podcast, I mean, Michael knows that I, I really enjoy Martin Shaw's reading of it. It is yeah. like his voice. And, and as Michael will point out, he mispronounces a couple of words. So we'll see if circus can fix that. But I, I really loved the original, uh, Silmarillion by Martin Shaw too. Here's what, here's what, um, Andy circus says. I'll read it for everybody's edification. The Silmarillion was always going to be a hard mountain to climb and therefore perhaps the most rewarding. I was seriously daunted, whereas the narrative structure and characters of both The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings provide the narrator with an immense propulsion. The Silmarillion is like reading reading an extraordinary ancient Bible yeah. with its own creation with mythology spanning many ages written over many years. But once in the flow of Tolkien's poetic imagination and limitless authority of his universe, there were passages that I found myself completely mesmerized by as I was reading, and it became a thrillingly wild and magical experience. I can only hope the listener feels the same way. This is not him actually writing or reading this. Like, this is, you know, th- this is PR flow. So, Right, um, right. It's, it's PR. What is interesting is I have no doubt being the actor that he is probably, oh, actually, I, I just said, I have no doubt. And then I added the word probably. probably. So, so it shows my, <laughs> my intense pessimism, but, but I, I'm pretty sure he probably 
um, did a little background on on the Elvish and everything. I mean, I would, one would think nowadays because there's so yeah. many resources out there that yeah. he would be able to, since he cares so much about voice acting. We'll see. I, I like I like his use of how uh, some of the, he found some of the passages completely mesmerizing. Clearly, the Rings of Power people did not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's right. Like so, yeah, one benefit there, right? <laughs> But we did t- we did talk about this in our one of our recent podcasts how the the genres of Tolkien actually does subgenres of literature inside of the Silmarillion. So you have some some of it's just yeah. like history. Some of, one of the chapters reads like the Book of Numbers. Um, one of the you know there's there's um, clearly Arthurian style romance in a couple of the chapters, especially Baron and Luthien. You know he actually switches in the the, the Turin. Um, chapter is completely different. It's a kind of a tragedy, um, and it has more more in person experience than the others. So he he actually expo- he seems to play around with different subgenres, even chapter to chapter sometimes. So um, it'll be interesting yeah. to see Andy Sarkis's take on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll get it. I enjoyed it. Uh, it'll be fun. It'll, it's nice to hear somebody else reading it too. Maybe you catch things that you don't if you're listening to the same thing over and over and over. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to cover this for the website too because I didn't know about this. I hadn't seen this yet, so that's actually something we'll cover. Yeah. You're welcome. I will. My finder's fee is uh, in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you have covered. Uh, I think it's it's this one here, Morphid Clark, uh, from who, of course, we all know. So she's going to have a life changing thing. Oh yeah, happen. <laughs> Life-changing thing. Was she going to get married now? <laughs> no, she's going to realize she's been married this whole time. She didn't know. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> and I'm, and here, like I was almost what, an adulteress. She's going to grow a foot too. Like she's you know get the appropriate height. It's uh, <laughs> life-changing. That's right. She's going to drink from tree beards. <laughs> Hopefully, from, and, from the... and she's going to become acquainted with Nenya the Ring. They're going to go on a date. Maybe have some sushi. <laughs> right. I don't know. Uh, and it's really exciting to see how the magic creeps in. Hmm. The Which magic creeps in. I would in. assume that there shouldn't be any. Creepy magic. Because it's so they weird. don't use the rings, right? Yeah. When yeah. Sauron has it. So. Which but I point she out probably that's going to be her whole struggle against light and dark. Yeah. She's the, you know, the... the, the, the Almost an anti-hero to us now. She's not the real hero. So, so technically, d- technically, yeah. there is a period of time that they can use the rings, right? Because the elven rings are made before, before yeah. Sauron puts on the one ring. That's when they realize. Right before, yeah. Oops. <laughs> so so it depends on the gap of time that they're going to, yeah. between the uh, end of the first season when Sauron actually crafts the one ring. Yeah, of course. They, and, but they were crafted in, in, in here. Now they're crafted in the wrong order, too. Of course. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but it, did it did it say John in this here John Trent? Did it say uh, where what what the life changing experience is going to be? Did I miss it? Did I think it's, it's the ring. That's it. I mean, if you read it in context, it's the like yeah. If you scroll back up, she says life changing experience, and then she says she's about to become acquainted with Ninja her ring. So I would think uh. that that's what she's referring to, right? I don't know. Maybe it's uh. something completely different, <laughs> but that seems to be what she's referring to and how like she gets she can the magic but like the magic is the way tolkien describes the ring's magic is it staves off um the weariness of the world and the decay of time so yeah. i yeah. don't know if that that's not like that's not like gandalf like shining light again at the um uh whatever it's the nazgul oh yeah right right it's or like right. battling with the 
battling with the um, uh, Bell Rock. The Bell Rock, yeah. Thank you. So it'll be, yeah. It'll, I wonder if they're going to use this. I mean, they haven't admitted it publicly, of course, and they are never going to. But <laughs> there's no way that they don't know the negative reaction from the from the the, the hardcore fans of the Lord of the Rings, and yeah. especially to her character. Now they could, of course, double down. But what would be interesting would be if they. Oh, did. she knows. She's she actually she's she's addressed it. it. She's, yep. She said, "I would be on that side too." Is something that she said. So recently. it would be an interesting thing if they're if they use Nenya as her reason for pivoting. Um, yeah. You know, just yeah. sort of she changes her character. We see some of the change of her character after she gets hit by the um, volcanic blast. So that was our joke when in our podcast we were talking about <laughs> how, like all of a sudden she's a new person, like taking care. She's gentle and kind with um, what's his face, the little kid. The kid yeah, that I can't I even know. be bothered to remember his name. Anyway, so. So Bronwyn's son, Jim, right? I don't know. Jim, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sauron Jr. John, I thought. <laughs> oh. I need one more John. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it'll so, be it'll be so. funny to see if they use that as an excuse. Oh yeah, now she's a different person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's <laughs> the right person. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm sure now they're finishing the filming of it without the writers. So the writer strike happened, but they're like, okay, showrunners and writers, you may exit the set and we're so, just going to finish it, which is, is this gonna a be, statement in and of itself. Is it going to be better now? There's no writers? <laughs> no, no, because the executive producer, right? Is it the executive producer, the producer, the, uh, the, the, the person in charge, I can't remember her name. Uh, oh, Jennifer, um, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Salky. Yeah, that's like the head of Amazon. Yeah, but There's I heard she was coming in. Producer. Yeah, um, but wait, Lindsay Jennifer Weber is, the, is, a, is one of the lead writers on the show. Yeah, are you referring to Lindsay, the Lindsay, executive producer? You got it. John. Lindsay Weber is the executive producer. Yeah, she's the one that's coming in, right? And she's the she's, she's like the one that woke. changed everything. Yeah, she's the yeah. One Jennifer Hutchinson. I mean, she she's a, the lead writer. She technically can't work at the project anymore, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. I think this is where, where AI could really show itself. You know, you just feed in <laughs> the, like some some history of the second age and be like, give us a script, and it'll probably be brilliant and way better. Yeah, as long as you, you you have to have the right prompts because if you, <laughs> right. you just use the caveat, it might look up Rings of Power and, and the script <laughs> online and use that as the basis. Well, anything pre like twenty twenty, you just say anything, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, what's the uh, the guy we talked about a few weeks ago that's uh, suing suing uh, Amazon and the Tolkien Estate? Just just bring him in, <laughs> yes. just settle. It's part of the settlement. He he gets to come in and pretend to be. Did you hear about that, Garrett? There was a fan who wrote um, a fan fiction story, uh, and published it, I guess. And then he's saying that the Rings of Power took it and made the Rings of Power out of his fan fiction story, and now he's suing them for two hundred million dollars or something like that. Man, I would I wouldn't want to claim it. Well. It's two hundred million dollars. Does he still have the the author credit on uh, or one of the author credits? No, he yeah he yeah he did. He had the author credit for a little while. He somehow like finagled that out of out of Amazon. Or he knew a hacker. He hacked their website. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know how he can manage. I don't even understand. That's it's just got to be some kind of like epic performance art trolling. Like I, 
it's amazing. Like, I mean, it's, it's I, I respect it then because it's a long time in the making. The guy's apparently been working on the, <laughs> the, the back, you know, yeah. Poly, what's his name? Polychron. 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 Demetrius, <laughs> Demetrius Polychron. Real guy. Did you actually there. remember that or did you have to look it up? No, I just looked it up. I'm, okay. I'm, just, I'm going to sure. I couldn't. I remembered he had a very odd Greek sounding name, but I didn't. I didn't. Uh... That's not real, man. That's not real. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure a lot of news is going to be coming out and you can go to Bounding with Comics to get it all with a with with. I mean, I love, John, how on your articles you do actually like put in all the quotes from the Silmarillion or Unfinished Tales or ever the appropriate oh. places to be like, OK, yeah, here's our here's our take on it. And here are all the reasons <laughs> why. <laughs> So that uh, nobody is left wondering why you stand where you stand on some of the uh, criticism that you might have on that show. Yeah, that's some, that's something that I pride myself on in doing with with most of our articles that we have. Yeah. They're well sourced, well documented. Yeah, because yeah. you're, you you're an actual how... journalist. See, there's that. <laughs> I I always like I I never took any kind of like journalism classes or anything like that. I just treat it as like a research paper where you always yeah. like cite your, you always cite your sources. So. Okay. Like, I'm sure you can join the rest of us who have college degrees who don't actually do what we actually got degrees for. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, big time. All of us. All of us. Well, and, and speaking of that, uh, doing the things that uh, you didn't study for, who here is going to play the Gollum game? Anybody? I will. I'll hate play it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> just, just so I can say something it? about it. I haven't played a video game since GoldenEye in 1999. <laughs> wow, I remember True that. story. Leaving on a high note, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> high note. I was like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I win. What is it? Yeah, the, uh, what is it? Um, uh, slappers only. I got it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, but, so, so I'll, I'll play the Golem game. I'm going to try and live stream it for like both of the people who are interested in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, that's we'll it. I'll that follow goes. your live stream, then I can claim. Then you can claim. It. That's right. There that's you go. The, I already, oh. I already bought it. I even spent the money to get the additional Cinderin voiceover. Oh no! So um, that was way too much money, but I, <laughs> I have to do it. It's a, it's a write-off now. Is that right? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's not the big. Go ahead. You're gonna? Are you gonna bring up the the new MMO? Yeah. Yeah. Were you gonna bring it up too? Sure. Okay. There you go. This is the big announcement this week, not the Gollum game. Do you think they did this because of the Gollum game? They're like, mm, we're going to like bring this up so that people don't think about it, although it's a completely different style of game. Sure. <clears throat> but this is... I, mean, I, I don't no, think it's I don't. unconnected. I, yeah, okay. I think, I think this is just um, since Embracer Group, Funcom, got the rights to Middle Earth Enterprises, since they purchased them, they're now making deals with everyone. They made a deal uh-huh. with Warner Brothers. They're making the deal here now with Amazon Games. Yeah. Um, there's a... The guy here, Christoph, whatever his name is, who's out of Amazon Hartman. Games, he didn't inter- yeah, Hartman. He doesn't. Hartman. He did an interview with um, um, Gaming Business or something like that. Dot Biz, I forget. Gaming Industry. Biz, I think, is the website. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of covered that, that here on here. And uh, he goes, uh, he goes over on like how there actually was a. They were developing an MMO previously with them with uh the previous owners of middle earth enterprises and it just never um came to fruition i didn't cover it in this article but uh he does talk about how they were like it was in the works a couple years ago and then he reached out and followed up and now they're doing this because they're already working with embracer group with tomb raider so that's where probably that really came from is they they're already working with them on tomb raider tomb raider so Gollum is like assassin's creed and this will be like tomb raider great Mm. i I don't know I'll just They're not say, I just... MM... yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, John. 
Yeah, I was just going to say they're call- he made clear to call it an MMO, not an MMORPG. Oh, so yeah. huh. so he was like made that distinction what that clear, mean, whatever though? that means. Massively multiplayer online. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> know what the difference, like, I guess you could have something like Diablo 4, but that's an RPG anyway. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I mean most any, any MMOs are, all you... have RPG elements now. Exactly. I mean, any game where you're assuming the role of a single person and you have there's variation in the character creation, that's technically an RPG. So that's true. It'd be, yeah, it'd be, be interesting to see how what it, where where his distinction lies. I also think it'll be it'll it'll be very interesting because Lord of the Rings audiences are in fans are a different sort from. At least I know the Venn diagram has is going to have a lot of overlap, but there's but there's a, de- a distinct character in the sense that I mean there's the old Lord of the Rings online game which is came out in 2007 and mm-hmm. it's been still active, still active. Not I mean I I it's one of the few games I'll allow my kids to play. Um, it's 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 actually very true to the I mean it has all the changes you'd have to have for an MMO, but it has it's very true to the world. The the, the folks that crafted the world are tremendous respecters of the lore and they do a, a wonderful mm-hmm. job um, 98% of the time on what they do. And, and so they're going to have a, a little bit of an uphill slog to, to win the customer base. Obviously the, the technology so far so much better now um, that they can probably, you know, from the eye candy perspective, I can see it um, having a draw, but, um, but at least potentially, but uh, it'll be interesting to see the overlap. Yeah, how many that's people's... one thing he did talk about too. Though he said that he's going to try and win that audience, but he knows it's going to be tough. You're going to have to do do it with lore because it, that's what the audience loves. That's why the people are still playing okay. here 15 years later. But but let's be clear because uh, let me find the quote that he had right here. But for me, it's still very important that it's first a game and then reflection reflection of the books second. Warning um, bell. Well, yeah. Yeah, that I mean, you don't have to like you can make a great game and not break the lore. In my See, opinion. nobody when you say I'm making a MMO, nobody thinks that you're not going to make a game. So why do you need to say that? So <laughs> if if you're saying that, then that means that in because... some way it could mean anyway. In some way, you're you're holding up in your mind the the places in which the book the books might make it difficult yeah. for you to have an MMO. In which case you're you're prioritizing the game, and I can see with regard to gameplay and a lot of other elements. There's obviously that's that's the case, um, different medium, but I just it, that's that's kind of a warning. For How me. does uh, Lord of the Rings Online handle that? Like, are you? Because I've never I've never played that game, so I don't, I'm I'm not familiar with it. But do they? Do they, are you actually like, is Frodo carrying the ring as you're playing? Like, how does that work? Uh, so you do not, um, so you play, <laughs> you play as a character in the background. So, so in the background of the world. So there are plenty of quests where you follow the path that the fellowship followed. And there are some quests, interestingly, which even have some lore basis um, or some, some potential lore basis. They aren't contrary to the lore where you're doing things for, um, for characters that are not on screen in the books and which was realistic and sort of clearing the path in one in two places. And then you have these cut screens with some, some of the shots from what happened in, in the Lord of the Rings. So for example, you come upon the, um, there's a lot in when the fellowship is going to, you know, you're sort of commissioned by Elrond um, following uh, the, uh, the fellowship leaving for on the quest and, and you do some work in Eregion and, and you enter Moria after the fellowship 
And, and, but then, you know, you, you famous, you know, in one spot, you come upon the, the place where Boromir died afterwards and you do, there's some, you know, the, you, you help the free peoples essentially, but they're very careful not okay. to, you not, not to do anything that would contradict the lore. You don't play as the characters themselves, except in the memory, there's like these memory flashbacks where you can meet a oh, character cool. afterwards and you, you play through the scenes that way. So it's, it's really like respectful that. and well done. The world is massive and they've done a lot of, they've done a lot of great stuff. And there's of course all areas of the world that you can go in that are not the very specific path that the fellowship took and um, do plenty of uh, exploring. And uh, yeah, I assume they, it's they, mainly they like PVE and you're not, can, can you play orcs? Uh, in a very limited place, there's a one PVP area, the Etten Moors, um, where it's 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 kind of like in its own little pocket dimension sort of thing. You're not you're they're very clearly not trying to. And then you can either play the free peoples or you can play the the uh, the bad, the baddies. And um, but nope, you can't go outside of that little. It's just like a little region that's for people okay. that like PV, PVP. The main world is all PVE. Do you think that okay. the age of it and the quality of the the visuals affects it now because it looks oh, yeah. pretty dated it like, is really it is dated. very dated it's very dated um it, it's just what's interesting is that there's there's Oof. just a what do you do <laughs> so oh you're 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 doing their, their trailer. Uh, yeah. oh that's good this is the gundabad trailer oh no this is the latest rangers, one. rangers. i haven't rangers. i haven't actually played since they came out with that one um it's been a year but a year yeah or so i think mm-hmm. mm, okay maybe 2022 anyway my, my kids have but um anyway it's a uh it's yes yeah, it's, it, it's mostly uh it's predated and so that, that's why i was saying like graphically the new mmo it's definitely there were due for one but yeah. what draws people to lord of the rings and and they've done like the game was sold like it was originally owned it went through a bunch of owners, warner brothers and turbine and now it's standing stone the original the developers of the game um, banded together when the game was going to get shut down and made a pitch to get to own it and they and turbine sold it to them and so and they just kept it going and they they love the lore and so that's really what's kept them in in business throughout this time so you know the the visuals are, no doubt will be way better on this new mmo um yeah. but we'll 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 see whether they can actually pull in the hardcore fans i think it's i have a feeling suffer. that the... yeah go ahead I think it's going to suffer from the idea again. Like uh, the reason that this is the, that Lord of the Rings Online is still going is because there's a band of passionate people still doing it, right? If there wasn't Correct. for that, if it was a business decision by a committee somewhere Correct. in EA's deep dungeons, then it wouldn't be around. Uh, and that's what I, I'm afraid. What's going to happen with this here is that it's going to be a uh, a committee approach to creating the game, which is never interesting because it's it's mm-hmm. uh, watered down. It's sort of like you know, it's like it's it's misty like nothing's clear because everything has to be you know appropriate for modern audiences uh and that's what we're going to end up getting in my you could opinion. be yeah could be right we'll yeah see. i don't think they could i don't think they can I, I like the way you describe lord of the rings online and how you kind of go through like it stays true to the to the lore and everything like that i'm not sure that they, they can really do that they're not going to be able to do that now no. <laughs> <laughs> uh i feel like it would be probably be safer if they said it in like the first age <laughs> But just, they they said it's going to be third age, right? The, it's it's unclear. They said that it's in the press uh, press release from Embracer Group. It seems like it's going to be taking place 
during the time of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. Okay. Yeah. I just can't see them. I can't see them. I can't see them not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It would would just, they'd be giving up so much IP that draws people to go first stage. Although I think that would be cool. Yeah. You can meet Gandalf, et cetera, meet Aragorn. Right into battle. The thing that I hate about that is it it really, I mean, it puts such boundaries on it. Like you're in the Shire. Who am I going to see in the Shire? Will I see uh, Gaffer Gamgee, right? Like, so all all of a sudden you have these things that you're going to do because of the world and there's less discovery and more uh, pursuit maybe. Uh, So anyway, yeah, I'm not an MMO kind of guy, so I probably won't play it. I'm surprised they're doing an MMO. They should do something more like what uh, Dragon Ball Z did recently with um, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, where they basically took the manga and the anime and followed it through with a video game. Hmm. Like you, you, you basically you play as Goku and you follow the story from uh, the beginning of Dragon Ball Z all the way through um, up until Super. Okay. And they even have some of the movies. Too. and then i think that would be probably a better better story where you're actually you you can like hop between frodo and aragorn when they split off and stuff like that yeah i mean well, at least that essentially what they're doing with the Gollum game is following like his story that the unseen story so to speak the whole way through I mean, yeah and it, which i think is an in, interesting choice you know it seems like we we have this obsession with retconning villains um like you know maleficent and and uh grendel you know things like that and they're doing the same thing with Gollum, taking this kind of uh this this kind of you know we're we have sympathy for Gollum because he is um he's kind of a he's a tragic figure but he's still still in pursuit of evil and we want to make you know, make him you know more sympathetic yeah and um i think that's kind of a curious decision to make i mean it kind but of fits it, with the times but it does yeah Right, not curious given our age, <laughs> but but curious from a just from a generic perspective. I mean, Gollum is almost I, I, I'm hard pressed, besides you know one of the Urukai maybe, to find a character that is less likable than Gollum, except yeah. for a couple of moments in the entire book. I mean, Gollum is you're you're meant to have a disgust for him, yeah, and you're meant to to jive with what both Bilbo and Frodo felt initially and uh and and so the fact that you would be playing Gollum the whole time is such a weird decision to me um, well he's he's wraithified right he's like he's demonized essentially and he's you mean by and the everything ring? yeah well by yeah. by no well by the ring but more by his um his lust for the ring that's well, what yeah, destroys okay, him well. And changes him. And even when you think that he's going to kind of break through, you know, I mean, you're kind of given a little bit of hope, right, for a while. But ultimately, but the idea is that his his um, his self-pursuit is what plays into, you know, you know, essentially, you know, what uh, what Gollum intended for evil, uh, Eru intended for good, right? And mm-hmm. so you see that come to its fruition, but it's like, well, maybe Gollum is not all that bad. We got to rethink Gollum, you know, and there's, you're hoping they don't want to, they don't end up taking it that way where they want you to kind of sympathize, you know, live out the Gollum experience and think, well, you know, you know, good, evil, these things are, are, uh, you know, it's all a matter of perspective. Yeah. He's become, he's become a, I mean, really, since Jackson's films, he's become a pop culture 
uh, right. figure, you know, like, um, yeah. and, and he's, I mean, he's a, you know, he's a good amount of comedic relief in the films, especially, um, which, you know, you can be really vile. And if you're funny, then, uh, or, or, you know, even, even if you have cute elements about you, it, uh, it can make you a popular, a popular figure, he's, but yeah, I mean, Michael, to your point, it, it is a really interesting, at least to consider that, I mean, this is a character that is just utterly in the, in the time of Lord of the Rings is utterly vile. I, I think there is something else though with Gollum, you know, as Tolkien, I mean, as Tolkien wrote him, I mean, there's this kind of hopefully redemptive arc to him, which is very strong. And, you know, it goes through all the way. And unfortunately it doesn't, uh, it doesn't play out, you know, quite the way you may, you may hope for, but like you you start kind of pulling for him at some point because you can see that he's, there is this internal struggle going on you know, within the story. So there's some elements that do make him from Tolkien that do make him a sympath, you know, increasingly sympathetic figure as the story goes along. Um, right, but also right up, in, right up until she looks clear. I mean, and, and on the, the stare of yeah. Kirith Ungol, you have that final moment where it actually says that he looks like there's a moment where he even watching Sam and uh, Frodo sleeping next to each other. Touches that, his knee, right? That part. Like he, yeah, he touches Frodo's leg and he, he actually changes like he looks like a, a just a very very old hobbit and because mm. he's so he he wants the love that they have for each other that friendship he he just uh, and and that's the height of it and then sam wakes up and mistakes his aim and calls him a sneak and that and we have that funny dialogue and then and then from there on it's downhill because he tries he betrays him to sheila yeah. and then and then tries to kill him over and over again so he uh, that i see is that moment i see as the peak that began in the amin mawil and and mm -hmm. the uh, passage of the marshes um so yeah i agree with you john there is that arc but after all that's a short period of time for golem in the game's in not the exploring arc. that at all that's true it all happens yeah. before the lord of the yeah. rings well not even yeah, yeah, I, I do agree that the game the game's approach i mean it's uh it's it's i just i don't get it i mean i've known about i've been hearing about this game for years yeah. and not not that i'm much of a gamer but like I mean, just a I'm cash not, grab really? is I mean, all I can figure. Who out. is asking for the Gollum game, right? Like you can you can make a point for the MMO, right? You can, can say like people play want him maybe in a, yeah, but like I was a, like, you know what game, I want? But... I want to I want to pretend to be Gollum. I want to <laughs> I want to eat fish. Says no one like, ever. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know. It's going to be really interesting when we play it because I have no yeah. idea where it's going to go with the the play style. Like, is it really just sneaking around the whole time? Because he's. It's not like you're going to be upgrading him. He's not like unless they are. Maybe I don't know. Maybe you get a better ability to control the ring or something I, large, large i looked at a, a a youtube uh, review of it apparently there's going to be some parkour so you know well, yeah that's like assassin's, like creed, assassin's creed without yeah. all the interesting things uh yeah which they've, taken that. they've that changed is, that franchise though a lot too so yeah. i would counter that that what we don't really see a redemptive arc with Gollum. we see more of a damnation arc like he kind of has a high point and then it goes down right as opposed to having a low point and coming up so to speak and, and that's something that I think in Tolkien's cosmology, you know, that is he, he shows all sides because you have redemptive characters and you have those other kinds of characters where you get the full spectrum of, of how humans, right. you know, act in, in a moral universe. Yeah, what we see is what I would say, Garrett, is we see the struggle. The arc is a struggle. You only call an arc redemptive or, or um, a damn an arc of damnation 
because you know the end. So right. in the middle, we see the the potential for redemption as as he's leading Sam Certainly. and Frodo through the marshes, and then you know saving their lives multiple times, and then leading them. Uh, you know, you know, he, there's that there's that chance, outside chance. So you're telling yeah. me there's a chance. <laughs> so, and then and then it ends up as a arc of damnation, which nevertheless Iluvatar uses for the good of Middle Earth. But but there's you know there there is it is d during the struggle there is a potential for redemption. And yeah. uh, well, Tolkien never says he's never says he's uh, like outright says that Gollum is like a damn a damned figure either. He, he talks about it some in one of his letters. He never yeah, he like, with the orcs he never too. commits to that uh you know commits to that fully but yeah, uh the other thing the other thing i would just highlight with gall i mean Gollum to me is he's just a fascinating character and you know is the mm -hmm. way tolkien wrote him uh and uh so the, the other thing is just knowing the when you learn the backstory and you learn how he came into contact with uh you know this just like he's he's basically a hobbit right and he comes yeah. into contact mm -hmm. with this artifact which he has no idea what it is but it, I mean, he, it's like, you know, it's basically like just, you know, this tiny little figure coming into contact with this humongous, uh, almost, you know, I mean, essentially demonic presence. Right. And right. it's like coming up against some radioactive thing. And he's just like, he has no idea what it is, but it, it, it just grabs him, you know, and he has no, uh, no protection against it. So, you know, I look at that too. And I think like that makes him, uh, to me, that makes him a more, a more sympathetic figure. I don't know. I'm more. Uh, I, I'm more open to. Uh, you know, I'm more. I, maybe just less pessimistic. I get it. I get it. And I don't want to. I don't want to. I think it's kind of silly to have a game about Gollum, like yeah. purely about Gollum. Yeah. But uh, I love talking about Gollum, and like he's just a. He's a totally fascinating character uh, to me from the legendarian perspective. I like the contrast between him and him and Frodo, and even him and Bilbo, because um, you're talking about how he's like so corrupted and everything. Whereas, like, you see Frodo actively, like, fighting the corruption, Bilbo fighting the corruption. Yeah. And they, obviously, Frodo, and when it comes to, the, like, the final moment, he's not able to fight it either. Um, mm -hmm. you ha like, Gollum is the one that has to to, to, to do it for him because <laughs> he can't toss it into the fire. Um, so I, I do find that interesting, too, though. I like that, that um, juxtaposition. Yep. I mean, and and you nevertheless, Tolkien goes to great lengths to show us what a dis, what a despicable creature he is. I mean, he literally eats babies, and Tolkien talks about it. There's yeah, yeah. So so mm -hmm. it, it, there, you don't get more vile than that in one sense. You know, it's just, um, and then and then he has, but he gives him a possibility of redemption. Very Catholic, not very Calvinist. <laughs> I knew that was coming at some point. I knew it. I, knew it. I, knew it. I'm I'm start, was starting to feel the tension so, there. I was starting so to feel the tension. So then, the hey, it's, Tol is, it's Tolkien's. It's Tolkien's cosmos. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Jonathan Edwards. That's for sure. Yeah, no, that's we'll true. Yeah. yeah, we should get. We, we'll need to get Austin Freeman on this in a couple <laughs> weeks to talk about all the theological ramifications that we're discussing now with Gollum. That'd be great. So, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love yeah. to. He'll be back. Brain. He'll be back. He's just got to finish teaching at a real school. Uh, <laughs> well, that brings up a question, I thought, too. I, I posted this poll uh, this week here on on Twitter about, you know, my, my, my son. I asked him after the movie. He's like, so who's the hero of Lord of the Rings? And he thinks about it for a minute. He's like, Sam. Sam's the hero. That poll is, uh, it is I'm surprised that it's 
that Frodo got as many um, responses <laughs> as it did. Because yeah. Tolkien makes it very clear that the answer is Sam. He specifically says it's Sam. Well, so thanks for thanks for ruining the discussion there, John. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. I go back to I go, I go back to the I go back to the source material. The, the it's already been answered. All right, we're done. See everybody. No. <laughs> just got the, just got the Tolkien. No, meme but here's I mean here's the thing, right? I mean it's it's the story. The story is Frodo is the protagonist more or less, right? He's the he's the central character, right? And the central character, ninety nine percent of the time, is the hero in 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 heroic stories. And I well, and and I don't think you can say that. I mean, there is there is a heroism to both of them, and so so does Gollum have a heroic part to play in a way? Because without him, there would be no destruction at the end. Not that he would be the hero, but of course, there's that. Uh, and uh, and so I just think it's interesting because most people come out of it right away like, oh, Frodo, he's he's the hero. But then you think about it, you're like, well. Maybe not so much once we start thinking about how like it was his burden and he took it on, which is a heroic thing to do and he wouldn't let anybody else carry it. But, but in the way that my, my son put it is he's like, well, Frodo never saved Sam really, but Sam saved Frodo. I was like, hmm, at least in the movies. I was like, that's, that's an interesting point and a good way to put it because the hero, uh, you know, he does what he needs to do in order to, um, lift up those around him in the end, right? That's the, he's, he's doing that to lift them up, to, to save them. And that's, that was Sam's goal with Frodo more particularly, whereas Frodo was doing it because it was his burden to bear. Anyway, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that, but. I just think that's a false dichotomy. You know, I think there's multiple, you know, arc hero arcs in Lord of the Rings. And, and you do see, you know, when Sam, um, when Sam, when we get to the scouring of the Shire, you know, Sam kind of elevates while, yeah. while Frodo diminishes. But really, I would say that, that in the sense where Sam physically carries Frodo at times, it's, it's Frodo, you know, through the loyalty that he is, he's gained from Sam, carrying Sam on this adventure that then gives him the, the character and the, the development of, of having seen the broader world to be able to assert himself and go on to become a, a significant leader in the Shire later on. And so in a lot of ways, you know, if, if Sam had never left the Shire, he wouldn't have been able to develop in that kind of way. And it's really Frodo's willingness to go on this adventure and Sam's need to follow him because of his loyalty that causes him to grow. And so there's kind of a, there's kind of a dueling heroic journey there, but just a different kind. Mm -hmm. I'd agree with you, Garrett. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, there's like, um, I, you know, the thought occurs to me that, um, and I, and I know that, I mean, I get it. Tolkien says outright at one point, and I, I'm not sure the reference, but I know he, he says that, that Sam is the, is the hero. But to me, that's kind of one of those things that Tolkien would, he'd probably say different things at different times. And he's not necessarily being contradictory. He's just highlighting different aspects of, of how he sees the story at different times. But, um, you've, Frodo is the one after all if the if the central if the central quest is the ring quest Frodo is the one who says who says yes to the ring quest right he says I will do this right? and um uh and he does carry it he does carry it all the way through but there is that kind of thing that goes along with it that Sam he can't he couldn't he could not have done it without Sam and really the rest of really the rest of the fellowship to at least get him um you know to uh you know, at least halfway there, right? See, see, and that's where I, I'm, I'm with you totally, John, because I think 
Tolkien showing us something different, you know, as a, as a, you know, the man that he was, the, the expert in mythologies, the person in his books that should be the hero, according to the classic archetype, is Aragorn. Mm-hmm. He's he's the classic. He's the king. He's returning into his own. He saves the people. I mean, he is the the. But we're meant to identify with the hobbits more than we are with Aragorns as as readers. And then there's the fact that, as Jonathan said at the beginning, Frodo is the protagonist, and you uh, yeah. supported that with with some of the details just a second ago. So you have that. And then you finish with Sam, and at the end of the story, there's it, we're left with Sam, like he's the last one yeah. that, that that we're left with. As you know, as readers, we're carried with him. He's our final steps, and and so all the way back into the home, which is the best ending ever. So so there's a um, Tol- I think Tolkien showing us different types of heroes, and and he's just putting them all in the same story, uh, right. So, so you, I mean, Gandalf's the hero of the story in one way. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's he's kind of like the most savior-like figure that there that there is in the story. Without he's who, the incarnated hero, right? That's right. That's right. He's he's kind of the representation of, of divinity on Earth, you know. And he would, of course, quibble about that if he were to hear me say that. But <laughs> but but he but he was he is in fact literally, as you said, Garrett, incarnated, and so. He's a Maiar incarnated into flesh, and so mm-hmm. yeah. he is. You know, so he's a hero in a in a way, and and so there's there's so many different heroes. Um, Faramir has, in fact, one of the most heroic arcs, though his part is small. Um, he was the one that Tolkien identified with the most, and the one I love the most as mm-hmm. my favorite as well. Yeah, and yeah. so I mean, he passes the ring test. Among of all men, I mean, Aragorn had it had a, had a head start. He knew it was coming, but Faramir didn't, and yeah. he passes the ring test among men, um, for whom the rings bear a special uh, draw, or they seem to anyway. And so um, there's a there's a uh, there's a there's a case to be made for a lot of heroes. Um, yeah. In, of well, different types. I'll read exactly what Tolkien wrote. This is in letter one thirty one to Milton. It was one thirty one? I was going to guess one thirty three, but okay. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> he wrote. I think the simple rustic love of Sam and his Rosie, nowhere elaborated, is absolutely essential, his italics, to the study of his, meaning Sam's, the chief hero's character, and to the theme of the relation of ordinary life, breathing, eating, working, begetting, and quests, sacrifices, causes, and the longing for elves, and sheer beauty. So I, that, that might have been the better question on who's the hero, who's the chief hero, because that's, you know, we're, we're quibbling about, like, so there are certainly other heroes in the tale, just as there are in any other heroic tale, there are you know his uh, uh, the, the band that goes with him. That's a standard hero with a thousand faces kind of thing. Um, but who's who's the chief hero? And that's hard to pin down because the story starts with Frodo and ends with Sam. Right? It starts, yeah. and so that makes it hard because like who are you really following? Because in you know if we're going back to the Joseph Campbell here with a thousand faces idea, right? You follow the the hero's journey. But maybe the hero switches in the middle of the story, and that's how Tolkien wrote it. Yeah, I think inspired by his experiences in World War One. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was just well, that, that thought occurred to me too. Uh, you know, like um, he he makes so much of Sam as a representation of um, of of these kind of various uh, various men that he knew, um, who in a lot of cases were yeah. just. 18 19 year old boys who were yeah. you know thrust into the trenches of world war one and he in a way I, and and again like Batman's. You know, he talks so much about like looking back after he wrote it 
after he wrote the draft and like you know it's the whole um religious and catholic work uh unintentionally what does he say unintentionally at first but then as he was editing it and you know intentionally and um you know looking back and seeing through this story like wait a minute sam this is what this is why i was telling so much why sam became more and more important as the story went along you know um in, in a way he wanted to pay tribute to you know, these nameless uh faceless men that he he knew and uh and, mm-hmm. and saw give their lives every man yeah yeah well the, the foundation of you know a world war one or a world war two where you have an overcoming of this great evil it's easy to look back and be like oh you know winston churchill you know um eisenhower you know these kinds of figures they're the heroes because they're the ones that were seen and planned but at at the end of it you're you're dealing with your your basic level infantryman who is doing this because he does have a family at home that he wants to preserve, you know, their way of life for. And without, without that kind of commitment to family, household, country at the most basic level, you know, the, the great generals can have all the schemes, but um, it, it's not going to come to fruition. And you see that with, with obviously with Sam, with, you know, wanting, you know, thinking about Rosie and his gaffer and, you know, the basic comforts of life, you know, good food and things like that. It is the thing that sustains that whole journey for them. There's a, there's a quote from the, also from the Waldman letter. And this is one of my, my all time favorites. He says, uh, he's talking about how Baron and Luthien is the chief of the stories of the Silmarillion. Um, and then he says, here we meet among other things, the first example of the motive to become dominant in hobbits, that the great policies of world history, the wheels of the world, are often turned not by the lords and governors, even gods, but by the seemingly mm-hmm. unknown and weak, owing to the mm-hmm. secret life and creation and the part unknowable to all wisdom but one. Um, that that one is the, just one of his most magnificent uh, that's a, that's a in, insights quote. into oh, the story. Really? Yeah, The wheels of the world. Yep. That's that's kind of Chestertonian too, you know. Like there's you, there's a lot of Chesterton kind of floats floating around of that same same type. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, hmm. right. Using a literary flower to describe sort of innate truths about the world. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. The apostles were fishermen for the most part too. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so so I Gollum, think Gollum was a fisherman. Judas betrayed Christ. Was he a first, I don't know. Was Judas a fisherman too? Uh, I, I, think I don't so. know. He, I don't know if he was a fisherman. He was. He seemed pretty uh, intent on the money bag. Um, yeah. Nothing. You can't. Well, he was pretty intent on the ring. Huh? <laughs> so what the we're goal. really saying, yep. when all is said and done, the game that should have been made is that. <laughs> you just make that right now that's pretty I, good. I just threw that together funny but yeah i mean <laughs> well done i sir. couldn't even well have done. looked that up that fast <laughs> that, 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 would be awesome. that could be fun as it could be fun as like a city management thing too where you're actually <laughs> sam, like, the sam, sam the mayor sam the mayor yeah sam like, the mayor. that could be fun sam gardner Hold on, who's that guy <laughs> there were still orcs yeah, on the edges of certain things it'd be fun you could hear hobbit so, bows twang You'd be like, so it'd be, what would we call it, Sam City instead of Sim City? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just... 
We're getting worse. Oh, I love some conies. <laughs> oh man, dad so jokes—they're the best. Oh, Sam City, I love that. that was, the, see, this is what they're missing out on. They need real focus groups like ours in order to make video games that are built on adult games. They'd have to survive our toxicity for first. Oh, right, right. Oh, We're man. too far gone for them, <laughs> whoever they are. Oh they, man. They, them. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not go there. Okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna move us off of the whole Sam Fall Gollum Frodo thing. I'm sorry I pushed us into that direction. That why? Should, why? No, it's, it's, no, it's, no, no, that was no, great. That was great. Read, we gotta read some great Tolkien <laughs> Good discussion. quotes. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm not actually serious. This is like me. Being, okay, <laughs> just trying to push us off. I'm sorry, everybody else for who's listening. I'm pushing us off. Okay, so here's the other article that, that was brought up. I should have brought this up earlier when we were talking about um, the Rings of Power. Uh, this is from the dude J. A. Bayona, uh, who is the. It's like the first. He was the director. Did he direct the first, the first two episodes? episodes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. He's like they're talking about how they use the landscape to tell the stories, and I'm like, well, you know, maybe you should have used words. <laughs> Generally, a better idea. I mean, well, I, I read that wrong. I said they didn't do it. Found interesting. Yeah, yeah. I just think they didn't do a great job. Like, like. And I don't know how to qual. I don't know how to explain this, but I did not. When I went to see Return of the King uh, a couple weeks ago, extended edition on the big screen. Yeah. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I was just blown away again by how magnificent all of the landscapes were, and I'm like that. That fits yeah. Tolkien's. That fits the the work. Yep. I I was just underwhelmed. I was like, this is 20 years later, and I find and I find their use of landscapes underwhelming. My biggest one was, and I don't know that it's necessarily in what they show, um, like in the, in like particular scenes, like that one right there is like, it's really, it's a really nice shot and everything. Yeah. Um, but that's more, just, but just from, um, yeah, but just <laughs> from Thanks, like, John, for the reminder, goodness, <laughs> just from Newman, like Numenor perspective, right? Like the one I like to call out is when Galadriel is, riding horseback across Numenor and you know she's going from the west east end of the island to the west end and it's like a cup you know it's like it's like, Numenor is basically the size of France and and she like does it and it's like like that there's no like shots that indicate that like wow this was kind of a you know longer journey and then you know of course it's interrupted by the weird face she makes yeah well, I'm wondering like did she hold that smile the whole the <laughs> right. whole way or you know how did that go you know you know what I want to see oh there it is yep thanks Jonathan That's the first one I found thanks for bringing it up um oh yeah oh, wait 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 go back go back can you see the city in the background is it like there's the city is that it is that no, the city keep walls going, right keep there going. keep going there oh yeah left. look at that oh yeah Huh. Or maybe Look at that amazingly that. gorgeous. They did all that and you get like six frames of it. Well, maybe they just shot that in uh in like North LA County. That's just Malibu in the background. That probably is. Yeah, it looks like Malibu actually. <laughs> it kind of does. It looks yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and then like and then the camera spins or something. <laughs> yeah. So John, you were going to say that something about it's the size the of distance France, and oh, they're yeah. on the beach. Well, that looks like where I was this morning, actually. Oh, nice. oh man, surfer. Yeah, brag. yeah. I mean, no, um, brag. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It's 
it, the scale is small, right? Here's the it problem that I have. It just underwhelmed me. They do they do all these great wide shots of the city, right? I, I don't I can I don't think I have them all up here. Come oh, on. this is the famous. The face, the face, oh, yes. The face. I don't know why they. I don't know what. I just this is the first thing. There you go. <laughs> there it is. That should, the be the, that, should, anyway, that should be the clip everything our, they spend the all this time she smiles in all eight episodes just <laughs> it's right there that's right but on the back of a horse there we go perfect it's yeah, still something really that. weird to to like think about. anyway uh so it, the, the scale let me go back to that that article here the scale of the right it, it, it felt really big like this but so the scale was big but the scope was small does that make sense yeah. Where it, you mm-hmm. you didn't feel like there like the, there were no big giant armies right when I watched like you John I watched Return of the King mm-hmm. but here at home those armies were massive like the I remember when um, uh, when uh, the Rohirrim left Dunharrow uh, right there there uh, you can see down the cliff and you see all the what thirteen thousand or so I think of the yeah, Rohirrim gathered six there six at that point or six at that point okay mm-hmm. um, and they all start going out and I heard a kid a couple of my kids go wow like because it was. It was massive and it was impressive, and the the shots went up from up close, so you knew the characters, and they were in this, and then they went wide. This here had like all these long shots, and then they stayed super close when they got to the characters for long periods of time. It's like when Galadriel is escaping from the dungeon in the prison, you never see what she's doing and where she's going. They're only like in the city, and they show her, you know, parkouring from one place to another to to jump yeah. down, and then literally like half a block later, she catches up uh, to uh, 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 Isildur. Yeah, and it was yeah. quite extreme because even when they had a battle, like the whole episode of Battle of the Village, which in what was going to soon become Mordor, um, I I almost never feel this way because I love battles, military historian guy, and I just I was looking at them like I don't care about this village, like it doesn't mm-hmm. I, it doesn't matter, yeah. nothing matters yeah. here. It's just this the scope was so small. I agree yeah. with you. It seemed like you know Elrond would just pop over to moria like in the afternoon you know and i was like wait a second is it yeah that close i don't think so he just scrolled yeah, <laughs> yeah he did scrolled over but I, I thought you know visually it was the only thing that really kept me interested like the the, the script itself the dialogue the characters everything was so off to me that the only thing that i actually found engaging was some of these beautiful vistas but at the same time like that, like what you're describing, like the the lack of continuity of space, yeah. it it also didn't really work. But sometimes they give this great panoramic shot. You're like, wow, that's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so- you just kind of have to hold on to that for a while and wait for the next one because everything else happening was just kind of so some people didn't didn't like the two trees shot. I actually liked it. I yeah, thought, I thought that, that was, was really cool. Was that was great. It was good. They 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 should have left that and done no other trailers or anything else. And people just put out a poster. Them. Yeah, right. <laughs> a screensaver. You know. Save themselves a lot of marketing. <laughs> Here's the show. Just just eight hours. Eight hours of this shot. <laughs> For the real super fans, it just shows the the potential that's there that was just wasted, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we get we'll get to experience with the the trees with uh, the next game, Ungoliant. Because <laughs> everyone's know, asking for that one. after Young Sheilab. <laughs> I know I know Bayona didn't do the the um, the dwarf stuff, but I thought that looked like generic World of Warcraft stuff. Yeah. She's she just not did, bad. didn't She's like just feel... misunderstood. Yeah. Feel like Tolkien at all when you're with the dwarves? It was not in Moria. Yeah, it, uh, uh, the Moria that was in the films. One, it's a little more realistic. When you have these huge, like it's a huge chasm, and we've got these beams of sunlight coming through, it does feel like okay. Now I have to move the mirror to make it catch the other mirror to go down to open the door so that I can get into the thing like a video game. 
Um, well, also it was really clear. I think we even mentioned this in our podcast that one Vista shot where they first when they first enter uh, Moria and you get your you get the quote unquote money shot on you know how look at the look at how vibrant it is with dwarves. Yeah. It literally looked like you know uh, someone had just taken like dwarf home spray paint and spray painted them on the walls around the i mean there was nothing realistic dwarf home about... spray paint yeah. <laughs> it looked cheap it you couldn't you wouldn't no one would ever build like that there the, the way that it was laid out it was just not realistic as a city as a dwarven city it was just like dwarven spray paint on the walls and that was it and i think it, uh, that's where when you when you say you know uh behold the dwarven city of dwarodelf is what i think it, uh, gandalf says in mm-hmm. uh, in the films and it, it is impressive, but it's not like video game impressive, right? It's impressive because it feels huge and big and old. And, and you, even you though all you have is a shot these... of them running through yes. and you're like mm-hmm. so far up and you get that like of like just how massive it is and how tiny they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. such a great that's such a great shot in the in the Jackson films. That's so that's kind of what we you're right. This is where it feels like that video game. So and the, the Hobbit the did rings... that a little bit, too. The is movie. the Rings of Power like a secret plot to get people like me who are a huge detractor of the movies to defend them and love them? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I knew I liked you, Garrett. That's probably where we bonded originally back in 2000. I, Garrett, you're not far off, and Tolkien was always right. In Tolkien's world, the good stuff comes first, and then everything gets worse and worse as right, you go right. on. Right, Copies to of where, copies of copies. Exactly. So to, to where by the third age, they're like looking back at Numenor going, it wasn't that bad. It was pretty good. <laughs> And Numenor, the first stage, looked really good. And so here, Rings of Power is like, we're looking back. I won't say the Hobbit movies look good, but but after this, I have less ire towards the Hobbit movies than I do towards okay. Rings of Power. You know what I dislike about this? It feels so unstructured. And for yeah. the dwarves and it's their architectural style, it's, it's not it a feel, dwarven city. Yeah, it's so haphazard. It's like, oh, uh, we just, uh, you know, here is the here is the uh, shelf in the middle of the giant cave. That's where we're going to build. Whereas the dwarves would have been like, here's how we're going to force the rock into the way that we want to build it. Right. Um, and it looks that, like World that, of Warcraft to me. That yeah. bridge yeah. that yeah. goes like up then down then up then <laughs> down again. Like, what's the the logic yeah, right of that? There. Yeah. Keep, the, yeah. keep the dwarves in shape as they go up and down. <laughs> <laughs> Those little legs. It, takes a long time to go up those stairs. Oh, yeah. man. Well, yeah. even well, the homes look it. weird. They look like um, like Eastern architecture. Well, they like do. And also the way one. they go into the into the pillars, it looks, I mean, they look like a hive mind dwarves or something. Like they're, they're a bunch of insects <laughs> burrowing. Well, I do think, yeah. I think, do think they're, the, the, the dwarves definitely have kind of an Eastern aesthetic. I mean that, you know, words like cause doom and things like that certainly come from kind of an, uh, I think John John, dropped out. I might've, I might've actually done it. I think that was my fault. But like not Eastern, like India, Eastern, like, you know, Ukraine and Bulgaria and Eastern European. Yeah. Yeah, Eastern European. Yeah. From a language perspective, do you think Tolkien would have carried that through to architecture if he had had a chance? I think so. I mean, mm. to some degree, kind of like that, you know, I think of like a city of Prague, you know, not that I've been there, but I've always wanted to. And, and the kind of the architecture, that kind of like Eastern Gothic. So it's my favorite. Of, 
European right. city is Prague. Um, love, yeah. love Prague. It has, it's much more delicate. It's less that like, there's no blocking there. The blockiness that you see here is not, not Prague like, yeah. but, yeah. but I get what you're saying, which is like the old stonework and the Gothic elements to it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that's what they were trying to go for. They failed miserably. It looks like, yeah, like I was going to say like, like I'm John not, Trent. I'm not seeing any of that. Thing. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, the, well, like you were saying, John Trent, I just, I, I think it's just it was made to be a video game vista. This was a this was a video game vista. Yeah. It's what they do in video yeah. games is like the the place where the player is going to be walking, which is on that bridge, is it must have everything look the most impressive from the angle as they walk. So that's that they that it's like sort of spray paint on homes yeah. and like this mm-hmm, is the way and mm-hmm. cool architectural features that are totally unrealistic. It, it feels you know it feels like AI generated art because like you got all. Yeah, I was going to say that exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like. Hmm. Like beautiful, and then you start to subtly realize, wait a second, <laughs> everything's so, a little bit out of. So, is, is what we're seeing here, 2019 Chat GPT at work, or the AI version, <laughs> yeah, the art right, version of Chat Mid Journey 2019? Journey, doing it there. So, so, you guys probably know a little bit more than I do on this. Like, is the is all that grass growing like accurate? Because here, we don't see any of that. No. There's nothing growing in the jackson films no no well, so no, that, it only grows um it i'll tell you it only grows because there is love there <laughs> that's right that's right they Dwarf made that love. clear <laughs> just, that just seems like i just found that bizarre too like why is there why did they include all of this like Be- because it's vegetation. a video game john because yeah, this is you're right it's, it is a video yeah because they wants to because green appeals to humans we love the green feels like life so so they but the answer is the dwarves. dwarves the dwarves did actually <laughs> they they did actually draw um uh, um grow things but they used uh, mirrors so it would have been very specific fields that like you know they they use yeah. mirrors to reflect sunlight down into these very specific right. places it wouldn't have been all over the place like the hanging gardens of babylon crap that this is so so there's yeah this Looks is totally like they need some weed killer i <laughs> <laughs> think so but, yeah they, they need sam to uh, trim the verge yeah. Come over. <laughs> well, okay, guys, and and I know. Um, wait, sorry, yeah, John had to leave John Carswell from the Tolkien Road. So go follow oh. TolkienRoad.com. Find his podcast. He's uh, he had to head out though, um, and we appreciate him coming in. It's always h- tough in the middle of a work day, but thankfully for those of us who work from home, we can sometimes rearrange our schedule. For okay. those of us who are on vacation, <laughs> yeah, that too, that too. Uh, so. I think we have to bring up, because we've been talking a lot about how, you know, Rings of Power, not exactly what we wanted to see in Tolkien, uh, because there's nothing new in the world. There's nothing like nobody has any good ideas anymore. There are no good stories coming out of Hollywood. That's what it feels like. Very few. No. Well, uh, technically, there this? are no, no stories at all new... out of Hollywood right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of Tom Cruise, there's nothing. Outside of Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but um, we have... Uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny coming. I thought we could oh, talk gosh. about this just a little bit because the reviews are coming out. How old is Harrison today. Ford? How he's old 80. is he? He's, he's 80. In his 80s. He's yeah, 80. Yeah. He's oh, 80 right, right now. Um, and so. Is he going to declare his candidacy? He's like the. <laughs> that's right. The <laughs> it's time frame. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so it's Rings of Power. I think they announced, John, and you probably know this. Didn't they announce that they will have uh, they will only have female directors uh, in season two? Is that Rings of Power? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Which you know, that's correct. It's going to make the show that much better because there will be for eight a different chromosome filming it. I mean, to to make that a point of like this is why it's going to be better is is a little bit sad considering they they didn't have any room to fall any further. Uh, but we're we're getting 
that now with the dial oh, of destiny Christian. it was it was uh yeah this is uh hollywood and toto christian toto oh, yeah. um yeah. but he's got right the, he kind of goes through some of the quotes and and it's not just that it's woke right in the sense that right they, they have this whole stupid capitalism coast i stole it then i stole it then i stole it it's called capitalism I'm like oh geez um, but she she is apparently a Mary Sue type of character. Uh, his niece, his goddaughter, whatever that is. I, I can't goddaughter. Remember is it? Yeah. Um, and 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 so the reviews are coming out, and it's not good, right? And I'm I'm wondering, yeah. one, is it going to be worse than the Crystal Skull, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Which did you see the the clip that they released? It's, the, it's uh, like this the car chase. chase scene, and she's just like berating him, like, yeah, the entire time, the whole time. Right. And she becomes like she's super strong. She never uh, there's a quote I think I had. I'll see if I can find it about how um, she know she she's she can punch. Uh, she can uh, she's quick witted. She's has all the problems. She's not she she has no uh, she's a Mary Sue. She has no uh, 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 faults. Right. She's perfect. Uh, mm. And that's who they brought in to. The, uh, uh, it was predicted that she would take over for indiana jones that was the original goal i'm sure in the beginning but now they're like walking they, back and here's so yeah they could have done that but no you can't she's uh, writing a tomb raider show too by the way the actress she is oh god yeah Lord. she's See, writing like, but tomb this raider is it show. there's there's nothing there's nothing new we go to indiana jones and it's old, right? Nobody wants to see, honestly, I don't want to see 80-year-old Harrison Ford, right? That's not Indiana Jones. I mean, if they would have done it, they would have had to do it like that. But apparently in the film, he he's still like punching and jumping and swimming and diving and falling under things and getting run over, like, and not, and surviving at 80. And it's just, the, the reviews have been rather over the top, not over the top. The reviews have been... Um, They've, they've minced no words in that, like, this feels really uncomfortable. Like, it doesn't seem right. There's something wrong about this movie. Like, the first 20 minutes are him de-aged with a new actor and a different face, kind of like Luke Skywalker in uh, yeah. The Mandalorian. But here, um, it's just... That Hollywood Reporter quote, quote is pretty damning. Wallerbridge makes Helena quick. Oh, this is it? Yeah. Wallerbridge yeah. makes Helena, who is Indy's goddaughter, quick with a wisecrack, handy with her fists, and a demon behind the wheel. As is de rigueur in these less restrictively gender-coded times, she's unflappably resourceful. Never. Never! Because that's when we never helpless. Like, she's perfect. But it's so ridiculous because, <clears throat> I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark I did not have a strong female character. Was Marion not, like, an impressive woman? You know, I mean, all throughout the indie movies, you know, they've always she Indiana had to Jones be rescued by a man, Garrett. Come on. Yeah, well, they're strong women, but in a, in a womanly way, I guess that doesn't exist anymore. But you know, I'm, just, no. I'm aging myself. Oh, it but, exists. Uh, they just don't. Yeah. Like no, to, I, they pretend it doesn't. Yeah. It's like. Well, it, it's their, the strong female whole thing is, is making women into men rather than right. yes. actually yeah. trying yeah. to highlight and accentuate f- feminine traits that make them strong. And, and, and what I mean, in two strikes in one character, right? So you're making all you're trying to do, just like all the talk about the, you know, female bond. Um, you're trying to just copy the male character and make it female, yeah. in, on one hand, and on the other hand, then you're Mary suing it, which means that you're removing even like James Bond had a couple of big flaws. Um, Indiana Jones has a couple of big flaws. Like there's right. there's flaws yeah. if you just make um a a um, it's boring oh i don't know like a jedi who's a female who instantly has command <laughs> of all the force and, and yeah. never struggles <laughs> at all or or this kind of character like wh- who wants this 
There's no, there, yeah. I mean, the I writers want it because it's literally they like half a percent of the people. Who right. These writers want it because they want it because this is how they're going to fix the last 6,000 years of patriarchy. That's their goal. And, that, and they can only do that through the, through the words that they have. And that's why none of us like it. And, but the problem is they're not doing it with new stuff. They're doing it with the stuff that we love already. And they're ruining it. Yeah. And it makes me so angry. I don't, I, I don't even really want to see this Indiana Jones movie because I don't want to be my last vision. It's like going up to a casket and seeing your grandfather you know, or a loved one. And the last vision you have of them is their lifeless body. It's hard. And no, I, just, just watch, I don't want to uh, Raiders that. of the Lost Ark and, um, and uh, Last Crusade. Last Crusade, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's an interesting the Times of London statement. The good news to answer Jonathan's question is it's not as poor as Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. The bad news is it's not much better. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the fact uh, that it's called, what what is it called? Dial of Destiny, and it's not actually any kind of like legitimate artifacts, I think shows that this thing is going to well, suck. Oh, you mean they made it up for the movie? There's no, like, it's not based in our, like, at least oh, inspired by? I've never I heard of know. the Dial of Destiny. I'm, neither have I. Seems like it's got some kind of time travel aspect to it. Yeah, it does. The, the fact is, is that you cannot really create these stories on their own merit because they would get absolutely no interest. And so you have to kind of like, in you know, possess a different body, so to speak, to gain people's interest. Right. Like, oh, it's Indiana Jones. I bet I'll like it. <laughs> and then yeah. You've, yeah. you've completely possessed it with some other spirit, so to speak. Right. And, the, uh, I mean, the Dungeons and Dragons writers, the Dungeons and Dragons writers actually admit that, that they use IP to push their own story as a, yeah. as yeah. a vehicle. Yeah. Because no one wants their stories. I mean, so I think it's obvious to, now. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's that's, the husk, the it, husk it's possession. Us, but it's always good to right. hear when the people actually like tell you what we, uh, what we clearly can see with our own eyes and and figure out with our own common sense. When they actually like just like, yep, that's what we do. It's like, yeah, we figured that out 15 years ago. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it was like the just, uh, you know that Ghostbusters movie that came out was that last year or something. I, I haven't even seen it because I know I just the, the all female Ghostbusters, the female yeah, one or the I one with the kids. Definitely didn't see that one. That's like the least 20 people. <laughs> oh, Afterlife. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the Afterlife one. And, and I, you know, I it was it, the funny thing about it is it was the same freaking story. It was it was like the Force Awakens for Star Wars. Yeah. This was Ghostbusters Afterlife to Ghostbusters. It was it, there was very little different. Like it had all the same characters and the same beats and like oh, the same, soft reboot then. Yeah, the same. You had you had the Keymaster and whatever else the uh, the person in Ghostbusters. Remember Rick Moranis and Sigourney oh, yeah, Weaver Rick turned Moranis. into the dogs. Same yeah. thing in this one. They had to go go the the. Anyway, they had to do. They, they rewrite to, older movies and put like kind of like different skins on them to try and make like, you think that it's like a continuation. This has to be my purpose in life now to figure out how can we get great new stories because nobody is writing them and it's driving me crazy. Nobody is writing good stories anymore. How do we get people to write good stories that are new and not born out of the things this that they love? I, I think there's people this writing good, good stories. <laughs> <laughs> this new. It came out this year. Wait. People are writing good yeah. stories, just <laughs> no one wants to make them into feature films, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, well, they're, they're out there. I've I mean, seen some interesting stuff, you know? I, I think, uh, what was it? Um, my wife and I keep waiting for the next season of Severance to, to show up. Um, there's been some things like that that are kind of curious and bizarre. Yeah, but even that, right? You The messaging that they put in, you're like, okay, I, I, I know you have yeah, to. Yeah, I know, I know. But it's curious, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it was it, it was good. There's so few far between though. I mean, I remember there were times you'd go to a movie theater, and granted, it's all ruined now because uh, you get every little bit of news thanks to sites like freaking bounding into comics. You know everything. <laughs> no, well, like, um, I think it was. But, I heard the other day, like uh, 1993. You know, is it the greatest year in cinema? You had like um, you had Shawshank Redemption, Jurassic Park, uh, Forrest Gump. I think they're all Jaws Four. Yeah, Last Action Hero. I don't. Yeah, Last <laughs> don't Action Hero. Ford. But all these yeah, like great yeah. kind of stories that stood on their own blockbusters and we just don't see stuff. It's just like this summer, which version of Marvel, which which yeah. reboot are we getting? And and uh I also think there's something about like they, they complicate things. So my wife and I were just watching Kindergarten Cop and that is literally a movie about a kidnapping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's it's a very simple like plot, right? Like got to stop this guy from kidnapping a kid yeah. um but it, it and, and it works and it has some, like the comedic moments with him becoming a kindergartner kindergarten teacher when he's like he's this hard cop um but uh just like certain things like that it's we, we've gotten away from very, like almost like simple storytelling to try and like they get, they're trying to make it like too complex too yeah. um yeah. i think with a lot of things we're just like just keep yeah. it simple yeah. I think the Mandalorian is that's the biggest problem with that show. It, it tries mean, to do yeah. instead of just getting things simple. One of the movies in 1993 was The Fugitive. There's not. I mean, it's not. Actually, I was thinking of, of ninety. I was thinking movie. of ninety four. It's yeah. um. You've got yeah. You've got like The Crow. You've got True Lies. You've got Shawshank. You've got Speed. You've got kind of these iconic films that were there. That's amazing. Yeah, it was good stuff. Maybe Could it's you, just us being uh. You know being you know aging gen xers and thinking back to good old there's a little but... little bit of nostalgia but in, in a way it's... i'm gen y yeah. i'm not gen x <laughs> and, and in a way i was talking about myself. i was telling my kids this about music too like I, it wasn't like the music from the 80s was great but for some reason they keep playing it um over yeah. and over yeah. and over again so they, they played it way more than they than anyone played the 1950s music when i was growing up in the 80s yeah. and and so there this is so my theory has something to do with the fact that you can't and, and i've said this before but you can't give what you don't have and the problem is that with creativity in order to give something creative you had to have it had to be the soil of your life um growing up mm -hmm. and the thing you had to have struggle you had to see yeah. real things you had to what's the, the 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 cool phrase now is go and touch grass you had to you had to actually be or in my case cut the grass over and over again and and trim the trees and all that stuff so there there's a but there's it isn't even just mundane stuff like that but you know we talk a lot about how to, the what the, the fertile seedbed of tolkien's work is often credited and in, in his own admission to world yeah. war one and yeah. and his and his real struggles and the the real tragedy that he faced and you get the mm -hmm. the great old fairy tales that Tolkien grew up with, where you you have you know Morris and McDonald and and Lang and and and, right. and, it's, and there's a um, they lived in a time where there was real struggle and hardship even amongst the quote unquote middle class, um, and so I, you just don't have it. You have a life of ease yeah. and contentment and well, and, and not and, much and, else. And, and generations that are being sheltered from any difficulty at all. Correct. Right? They have to have yeah. their safe spaces in order to. Uh, so what are you going to get from that? What kind of creativity I, are you going to get from yeah, that? Very little. Right? I, I also think I think you you brought this point up before, and and Tolkien talks about this too. Is like obviously, and, and kind of like 
goes off of what you're saying is like it's who he is and that's why he talks about like why it's catholic right because that's that is who he was mm-hmm. um but you've talked about it too is like there isn't a lot of education mm-hmm. on maybe some of these older stories that yeah. they don't people don't even know uh, about a lot of that stuff anymore um they don't have that kind of um experience or they haven't been exposed to it um, mm-hmm. and i think that also um is is a detriment to a lot of our storytelling and not can even attest to that to myself i'm i I'll, I'll admit that i'm not like the most um exposed person to a lot of the older storytelling like i like she i haven't read a lot of shakespeare and, and everything like that so yeah. you know I, I would i've always kind of contended that lord of the rings is the capstone of western civilization when it, particularly when it comes to like literary art and you can't um in the entire you know Tolkien's entire cosmos is is orderly. It makes sense. It fits with everything that came before him. It really incorporates all of it. Um, the, the Norse myth and the and the you know um, his Ro- Roman Catholic theology and all of that. And it finds its and it's completely fleshed out, or at least thoroughly fleshed out there. Um, and that's why they can't they can't do the Rings of Power right because they don't a they don't they don't uh you know breathe that air they don't mm-hmm. they don't live in that in that world themselves they haven't right. been educated in that same way and so they can they can mess up galadriel the way they do because they don't understand who she's even supposed to be because they have no frame of reference for it like their memory starts in like the year 2000 and that's kind of it and so um and so i i think with the stories now you know we kind of live in this gnostic age where where you know your true self is like this this spiritual entity that does that is an action that has no place of genesis like outside of you and so you're you know this idea that we can kind of enflesh um true that truth is in flesh doesn't work for people and so you can like you were saying michael like that that idea of like this possessed husk we just have this husk that we can kind of you know possess and repossess and kind of fashion the way we want um I, yeah, I don't know that we're going to see that without some kind of like return, which I, I'm kind of losing losing hope for. I got to mm. say, <laughs> feels that way. Yeah. Well, yeah. well it, I mean, in the '90s, I will say there's there's some movies that weren't made that we really even then missed out on uh, quality movies, like that one. I just wish. <laughs> that I, we I didn't. Could've... I didn't miss that one. <laughs> I'm here know. to pump you up. I know. I, I don't know if you guys saw like uh, this is on Conan O'Brien's podcast where they, he actually they actually got um, uh, Dana Carvey and Kevin Nealon and Kevin uh, another guy to actually read through scenes from this pu- movie they wrote, which never got made. Which I'm like, oh man! And they they point out like this movie will never be made today. It, it's impossible because every every other line has girly man in it, and uh, <laughs> that's just not gonna fly anymore. Don't be such a girly man. <laughs> so anyway. I'm Hans. He is Franz. We're here to pump you up. <laughs> I know, right? Pump. Good times <laughs> back in the day, pump. man. You are. Uh, all right. So I want to bring up one last thing. The final thing I always like to, I think I always like to end on something and we already did talk about something deep, but I, it's, it's something that uh, I put up a short video about. We talked about it in our podcast. Um, and I thought we could flesh it out a little bit more, Michael and, uh, and, and John and Garrett. Hey, we're all got different names now. This is great. Um, <laughs> is that this whole idea, right? Uh, Michael brought up the point uh, of Legolas walking on snow and how a podcast he was listening to, the guy was just like, I just don't get how this could happen. Like what, what, how can he actually walk on snow? And you know, uh, Legolas walking on snow. You've never noticed that before. No, like we walk on snow. 
<laughs> yes, we no, walk on stone. Not what, falling through the light powder. What we snow. do not do is walk upon <laughs> on on five feet of fresh fallen snow that that was that was like that snowed the previous hour. That's that's actually impossible from the physics. Okay, as, as you know. Sure, anyone can walk on on packed snow or snow which has ice on the on, on enough ice on it. But yeah. but I mean, there was the I mean, look, it was and I'll and I'll give reference where it's where it's due. It was the Tolkien professor, and he was and he was talking about he, how he's never understood how he's supposed to understand this moment uh, of of Legolas because it is breaking the laws of physics. Like there's no way that that Legolas is going to be able to take the blows and fight in battle the way he is if he's actually light enough to walk on snow where all the laws of physics apply. Like there's just it's it's from a from a straight up laws of physics perspective, it's not really possible. And so there's a so so he was the debate was how is he supposed to understand that? And I was telling Jonathan what was fascinating to me was that um, I had just the previous week read because my high school, my two high school girls, they had as part of their assignment um, for their class, the, the hybrid school they go to was to read Tolkien's on fairy stories and discuss it. And so mm-hmm. so we had just read together on fairy stories or most of it anyway. Um, and Tolkien was uh, talking about what fairy is and in, in, in on fairy stories. And it's really, it's really fascinating because hearing this discussion, and I know this is something that is dear and dear to your the hatred in your heart, right, Jonathan? Because you can't stand <laughs> the walk. this. I'm the, sorry. The, the him, first him time walk. I read it, I'm like, "What? How did? Oh no! How does that work? He's walking yeah. snow. What? Yeah. So I was yeah. just it just and it doesn't it doesn't from a from a physics perspective. But that's but actually that's part of Tolkien's point in on fairy stories is that fairy is something different. And elves are fairy they are in fact that that is the representation of fairy Mm -hmm. in the world of middle earth is is elves and the the thing about fairy is there are in fact things that we would call breakage of the laws of physics that that are due to the relationship that fairy has with the world so elves have a this interesting relationship with the world of middle earth which is totally different from the way dwarves interact and humans and hobbits interact with the world um and and they're they're a part of it there it's even different from the way Maiar interact with the world because Maiar, of course their source was not the world they came from outside mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. but right. the world of arda is is part of who elves are in a way and so to me, I was just looking at that moment going, yep, that was the fairy moment where he was saying Legolas is just something different. He interacts with the physical world in a different way. And we see this in other, a couple of other places where Legolas puts his ear to the ground and like listens. First, he listens to the, right. the stones of Reggie and he listens and hears things from, you know, that are that are his sight too. Exactly. His sight, everything about him is just, he's just a different kind of being. Yeah, different kind of being, exactly. And Tolkien's making a point that his relationship with the natural world is different here than than one would describe as, as, you know, physically possible for the other. Well, and and that's, you know, that's, you see that right in, in the resurrected Christ who passes through walls, but at the same time eats food. Um, and even the the, in the pre-resurrected Christ, mm-hmm. you know, who who walks on water. This idea that you can, that you know, we have our laws of physics, but we also, um, in our in our three pound brain, don't understand all of the universe and its laws as fully as we think we could. And you know, I think there's, you know, I'm a I'm a fan of like Nikola Tesla and 
the idea that he kind of saw things and realized, no, you can just broadcast electricity through low frequency energy waves. And why do we need wires for, you know, and that was not something that people could conceive of and still have a hard time conceiving. Well, wouldn't that electrocute you? Well, no, like there's these, there's these mm -hmm. concepts of magnetism and, and things like that, that we just haven't understood yet. You know, just our technology has taken us in a certain direction and we still stay within this certain narrow bandwidth. I have, you know, the concept of fairy is there are other kinds of beings who have different understanding of the physical world and interact with it on a different plane than we do. Right, and the same. elves are not just, you know, pointy-eared humans. They're completely different right. creatures entirely. Right. Yeah, we have angels, too, that literally can manifest themselves to us. And, yeah, they might, yeah. and a lot of times we can't even see them. But they're there with us. See, and what's interesting to me about what you just said, Garrett, and, um, was that... When it comes to Christ and when it comes to, you know, angelic beings, like Gandalf is the closest thing to an angelic being that we have right. in, mm -hmm. in Middle Earth, um, in the fellowship. And Gandalf can't walk on snow. And so there's a, the, the, and Christ, when he does that, he's doing that to show his mastery of nature, right? It's not, right. It, he is, uh, I think, I think that what the Christian would say is he's showing his power over nature, um, I don't think Legless is showing his power over nature by walking on snow. And as no, the it's Tolkien, inherent to his person. That's right. That's right. It's it's he's part of nature in a strange and mysterious way that the other people there, including Gandalf or Gandalf's incarnated body, to be specific, are not. Yeah. And so even so different from other elves too, right? Because he's a certain type of elf. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think of that. Maybe the Sylvan. Well, it does say in the Silmarillion that the Sylvan elves have a greater connection with the natural world than even the others, the Sindar and the Noldors. Mm, that's, yeah. that's, that's interesting. Good, I had good thought point, about that. John. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah. So, so, uh, and the question was brought up, you know, by the Tolkien professor. Does that mean you, could he have walked on water? Is it like, right? And, and the answer is no, because presumably the elves drowned. And that was one of the big deals um, with the uh, kinslaying right? and, and, and such is that you can actually, elves can drown. They can't walk on water. So, and Legolas specifically says for running lightly over leaf, branch, and snow, an elf. Um, is, is and you forgot stone. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I, oh, my gosh. I was hoping you were not going to bring up this picture from The Hobbit. That's, um, so <laughs> So this is the where he runs up the falling stones. Um, I know. And, oh, come on. That was fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was. I'm I, not gonna lie, that's a cool visual. If I was nine, I would have been all about it, and I would have mm -hmm. been like, "What are you old?" Yep. Yeah, about? I know, I know. I, know. <laughs> I had a, I had an eight year old watch it, and he thought it was cool too. Oh, my but, kids uh, loved it. It's a cool was, visual. You gotta, you gotta give yeah. him that. Legless Lord I, of Physics is what I got. What, what I what I got <laughs> out of that. Well, that's what I started calling him after that. Evermore, um, the Hollywood version of Legless is Legless Lord of Physics. But uh, but you know there is an element of connection between the way Tolkien right. between the fairy that Tolkien gives us and this so it's not as it's not quite as terrible as I I sometimes make out but um but yeah it's it, it is it was is interesting it like, that it's this is fairy in action so yeah. like Did I just, matrix, you know it's not it's not that there it's not that you're bending the spoon it's that you're bending right. the world around right. it's not that yeah the matrix he has mastery of the world that's what he gains right like he masters it in a similar way to you might say Christ had mastery of the world um but um, or does, but uh, in this case, I think it's something sideways. It's something different. It's the third yeah. road. There's this old, um, 
medieval poet Thomas the Rhymer. He's a Scottish poet, mm -hmm. and he talks about the three roads. And the fairy queen comes and visits Thomas. And Thomas is um, the thing about Thomas is he can never tell a lie, so he, he, everything he says is true. And uh, but the fairy queen tells shows him three roads, and one is the road to heaven, one is the road to hell, and the third is the road to fairy. And she and Tolkien mm. references that uh, Thomas the Rhymer in his on fairy stories. So I went back and reread it because I had read it when I would do my medieval history work. But um, mm -hmm. you know, it was it's it's pretty cool because it's this idea that there's a third path and it's part, kind of like the path of the of the mysterious and what we as humans call magic um but it's it's this world of mystery that's built into the natural world that is it's it's not of us it's not for us it's mm -hmm. almost kind of like an homage to god's infinite creative power where he mm -hmm. creates not just the world around us but another world as well hmm. the did i ruin your topic realm, no that's it's my kind of topic. I, I like what you're. Yeah. The. Um, I still hate it. <laughs> no, it's can't change. So, that's like fun. one of my so favorite. My favorite things. That's what you, got me into it. In the you hate it because it. You hate it because it. It's not. Oh, yeah. It's like it, for it, the same reason your nine year old like Legolas running up the stairs or whatever. Uh, I I hated it because the first time I read it, I was like, wait, why in the world is he walking on? And at this point, he hadn't really done anything like you know magical in a way, so it, it just comes yeah. out of nowhere. Uh, okay. And it was. Then I, I wouldn't so. consider it magical. I would consider it natural, according to the type of being that. Yeah, my nine-year-old, twelve-year-old mind wasn't thinking <laughs> in those terms. And natural, according to the being of his. You know, you're right. It is, but natural to the state that we are, we are, we understand the world to be in, and and the Middle Earth that Tolkien. And of course, the whole world has changed. You know, the whole world changes after, you know, after the War of the Ring, right? I mean, it's not. It's elementally. It's the time of men, and so the world literally is changing in response yeah. to that as well. Right. And um, I, I think, you know, I, I can't pull any quotes, but uh, I just think like a good guide to understanding that too is Lewis's discarded image um, addresses the fairy, the daemon as he, hmm. or the demon as, as he'd refer to them, that spiritual realm and, and how that's kind of like they're out of phase with our own and they kind of cross between the two and how that, that kind hmm. of, um, that category exists in that, that medieval literature. Is that an entire book or is that an essay? Yeah. No, it's an entire book. It's his his handbook to medieval and Renaissance literature mm -hmm. that he, he uses his text for his classes. Yeah, it's, I, read, it's I read it once. I got to reread it. That's, that's yeah. It's been a, a decade since I read it last, but yeah, it's been about five decades since I read it last. Since I've never <laughs> six decades, eight decades. There might also be a a case where, like, if you read the Gospels, like Christ's disciples while he was alive, still um, not even after he was crucified, but they were going out and healing people in towns and in villages as well and performing mm -hmm. miracles in his name mm -hmm. uh, when he wasn't even with them. So uh, I, I think there's a, a possibility too, that he, he has like, he has like, again, I think kind of just what Michael was saying is just going off and he has these just the different abilities. abilities. Well, yeah. Well, you yeah. see that like the spirit of Elijah, right? So you have like Elijah, the prophet, uh, he's ministered to angels, and then you have John the Baptist, who's said to be you know, like in the spirit of Elijah, essentially, and does the same thing, goes and lives in the desert and is ministered to by angels. And so there's this kind of like this kind of like place where there's a nexus of the, the physical and the material yeah. and where like they're sharing properties of both and experiencing both and able to, you know, right. kind of influence matter in a way that that we we can't. And I, I see the elves as occupying um, that space. In, in Catholic tradition, there's also a saint who was beheaded. He picks up his own head and and like walks down the down the the um, the mount after he was 
after his head was chopped off. Still hmm. preaching the word of God as he's going to his burial. Yeah, right. He, he, to his burial, exactly. He's not just yeah. like that. Was it? it wasn't that in Doctor Who? I thought that was a Doctor Who episode. Right? <laughs> but no, that's a that's a that's a. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I forget what scene it is, but that's yeah. a Catholic. That's huh, a Catholic yeah. tradition. Oh, it, 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 it happened in Doctor Who too, but uh, you yeah. know. Like, <laughs> All good, all good things are stolen. And, you know, it just it just occurred to me that um, isn't the uh, let's see uh, the um, uh, the marshes. Sorry, the name is the marshes. Yeah. Dead marshes. The dead marshes. Okay. Wow. No, dead, the other marshes. Okay. The dead marshes. Oh, anyway, people under like, the waters. Yeah, that's like the same oh. thing about like like that third road in reverse, like in a negative aspect, right? It's right. like that the, they're 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 still there after what is it three thousand years, two thousand plus years. Uh, you still see the bodies. You still see the, the little lights that are there. And it, wasn't that a ton of those? Wasn't that also uh, Legolas's grandfather, Orpher, died there at the Dead Marshes? If I remember. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Orpher did. And that's, see, and I it's forget, the more magical elves that are Tolkien, died there. That, Tolkien pulled that imagery from somewhere else, and I can't even remember where it was. But um, yeah, I think it was I mean, also inspired the... by World War One. That whole idea because people in the marshes, yeah. right? They were getting stuck yes. and dying and falling and yeah. drowning just because they got stuck on the side of the road. But I feel like there's a place in like Norse myth or something like that where sure you see is. something similar, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have to. Wow. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate your time. That's deep. It's like we're getting into books by Lewis I've never now. read, which is uh, <laughs> rough. Well, I think we should actually, I, I, I may, I'll make a plug, uh, you know, on our, or for the Exploring Tolkien podcast or whatever other podcast you guys are doing. Um, reading uh or at least talking about the, on fairy stories because that kind of oh, gets yeah. at gets at the for sure uh, tolkien's in a way defending himself against his um oxford colleagues who are criticizing him for writing yeah uh, the fantasy literature yeah i think we're going to do that on our podcast and, uh, if, if yeah if you go to exploringtolkien.com you'll get to the podcast where you can download it but i think we're going to do that at the uh at the very like, like after we finish the Silmarillion, we probably have four more episodes episodes to go before we can finish that. Probably do a recap of the Silmarillion too, but that'll be fun. That'll be good. It's been probably twelve years since I've read that too, so I'm, I'm yeah. good stuff. I'm looking forward to it. All right, very well, good. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up, guys. But thank you. For okay, you're gonna learn about the catastrophe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there there are things like i can't wait till we get austin here like he's going to be bringing up things we're going to be like what are you talking about like, he's like anyway it, it'll be it'll be a great deep conversation and i'm and i'm really looking forward to that so first of all i'm going to say everybody who's here thanks for joining uh smaller crowd this week but that's okay it's like crazy weeks for anybody who has kids it's like all this stuff going on in may for school and everything it's a little bit nuts um homeschoolers here nothing's going on <laughs> that's me next year we'll see how that goes so yeah i'll be freer um, but yeah, I want to say thanks to everybody who, for joining. I'm going to give a plug to our members. If you go to the one ring.com slash member, you can, uh, join us in a discord chat. That's always open on Saturday. Tomorrow, we're going to be doing a live chat actually. So, uh, if you join up, it's free for the first month, $4 for every month after that. Uh, and you can cancel the first month if you don't like it. So join us there and uh, you can do a live chat to get our extended podcast. This will probably end up being our podcast this week. Sorry, everybody, because, Dan at the Babylon Bee, it was very, very busy, and we were unable to get our uh, our act together before recording for this week. Um, and so we'll uh, we'll have to postpone for one week. Uh, but yeah, go to the onering.com slash member and join there. And then I'm going to let you guys plug everything else. So I know, Garrett, you don't have much to plug yet, but maybe in the future. No. no? In the future. I'm yeah. not going to, you know, we're going to, my wife and I are putting something together, but it's going to be a, probably a month or two before anything yeah. launches. And All right. we'll see what happens. That's good. But and it is happening. 
Michael has the same plug that I do, other, uh, unless he has something that I don't know about that he wants to plug, and like a com- com- competitive uh, podcast show channel. <laughs> no, like that. no, no, no. This is my fun for the week. I, the, the rest of it is startup work. So uh, yeah. yeah. Not, not this. Not this. <laughs> so go to thewondering.com slash member again for Michael. I'm going to replug it because I get to do two people. <laughs> uh, but more importantly, John Trent from the editor-in-chief yeah, of Bounty so, the Comics. Yeah, we got the website, bountyintocomics.com. Got new stuff up almost every single day. Dude, um, and it's not like one article. We're talking like you cover everything. How many, yeah, we, how, how, many how many? little elves do you have working for you? Um, We probably have like six people. Wow. On, comics wow. maybe seven it depends like so some some of them might not write every single week so i think we've got i think this week we had oh i didn't see the willow one <laughs> Dude, <laughs> these people are such friggin wimps <laughs> deal with failure in your life man my kid played soccer he lost one game they had a special needs kid who like couldn't play at all they were down a guy the entire time and what a learning experience it was for him like this is your opportunity to get better but no they're gonna go anyway sorry john like this is how i do like half your articles i end up yelling at like this <laughs> for a good measure for good reasons that you are anyway yeah. sorry go on yes yeah. yeah, so we we have we had six this week um but it, it, it can go up to like eight or 10. Um, if you're interested in writing, um, send me an email, jftrent at bountyandcomics.com. Um, but yeah, so we got bountyandcomics.com. We got, we're obviously here on YouTube as well. We have our Black Pill stream, which is our Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time stream. And then I also stream um, Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and so um, and I, that one's usually an hour. The Wednesday night one, we usually go two, two and a half hours. Wow. So, and I got oh, bountyandsports.com too. Yeah. But our, our videos right now are just um, re-uploads of our live streams. Because I just I don't have the time it to works like well. actually make, yeah. make videos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the next step, right? You got you to start dipping your toe in the waters before you dive in. So uh, you're, you're, you're on your way. Well, I think... I was thanks. making videos at one point, but I just, <laughs> I've run out. Of, like, my bandwidth is so stretched. Yeah. I can feel your pain, man. It, it, yeah. Once you start committing to something, it's like a, it's hard to pull back a little bit. Sometimes you just... It's better for you when you do. When well, it's interesting family. too. The 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 planned videos versus the live streams. They they're different kinds of things, and they they take up different kinds of bandwidth. Yeah, yeah. I like taking clips space. of the live streams and and the the podcast that we do. I think that's working well because it it's they're always the conversations by multiple people. I think are always more interesting when you have different perspectives coming in. Planned videos what, take a lot of time too. You got to like record, and you might not like what you recorded. So you got to re- multiple edit. recordings, and you got to edit, and then you know it's. It's it's a it's, it's a lot of time. You know, but it does so, say in your title, you're editor in chief, so must <laughs> <laughs> be pretty good at the editing part. Yeah. You know, what doesn't say though. Say though is thumbnail maker in chief. <laughs> I don't make the thumbnails. Still, the worst part of putting anything on YouTube or on the podcast, like coming up with the thumbnail. I've got people complaining that I had like rings of power people on the thumbnail, and then I was using AI art to generate a thumbnail. I'm like, look, what do you want me to do? Like, there's only so many things I can put in there. That's like, it, what's wrong with the AI art? That makes it like, easier. It for just us. looks so like it's made up and like it's not real. And then I throw in some rings of power, some other characters. And they're like, don't use those guys in your in your in your in your podcast. That's that's unbelievable. You shouldn't be using rings of power people. I'm like, Which oh. uh, AI art generator are you using? Mid Journey. Mid Journey. Gab has one yeah. that's pretty good. I don't know if you use that. Gab. Gab? But no, no. Yeah, no. Gab.com has a a chat bot that you can literally just tell it 
Yeah, that's how Mid Journey works like, too. Give it like three and three words, and then it'll like it's crazy. Give it you is, an image like it's within five seconds. Eventually, it's going to be movies, right? Give me a, a movie with a plot. Here's a thing that's going to generate the images. It's going to generate the 3Dness. It's going to generate the dialogue. It's going to generate the credits. It's going to do everything. Eventually, it's, it's going to be crazy. economic and foreign policy, too. <laughs> just... People are saying, like, you, you'll get AI to generate uh, contracts, legal contracts, yeah. because we're going to get lawyers out Absolutely. of business. Absolutely. Already done it. I did it. I did. I'm working on legal contracts. I, so as a, as for fun, I decided horrible. to, like, let's see what, uh, what, what uh, ChatGPT can do with well, this. The one thing AI cannot regenerate is good conversation like this. Nope. Mm. Can't. And also, by the way, if you want original art, my daughter's back for the summer, so oh, she can do art, sweet. art for us too for the yeah. Oh, cool. For the uh, weeks. Yeah, we did that for the first back. like seven or eight episodes of ours, and then she might have to go back to school. That was that was great. She's a great artist in a lot of mediums. All right, I'm going to shut us down. Thank you everybody for joining us. Hey guys, hang on after we uh, we roll the credits here, so to speak. All right. And uh, and uh, we'll see y'all hopefully next week if we can all make it. Cheers. <laughs>